What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Niners Nation podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. It is Friday, and we are just days away for the showdown. Jimmy G against his old coach, his old squad in New England, Niners Patriots. Oh, I can't wait. There is so much about this game I want to get to. I've said it on previous podcasts. I've said it on the SB Nation NFL show that I host. The chess match between Kyle Shanahan and Bill Belichick is going to be awesome to see. It's going to be elite-level coaching that you usually just don't get in a regular season NFL game. So what I want to do is I'll give you my thoughts what the 49ers should do on offense and how they should attack the Patriots on defense. And then we're going to bring in Matt McEwen, the editor-in-chief of Sports Betting Dime. We're going to talk a little Niners-Patriots from a gambling perspective and then look at some of the other just sort of general philosophies and week seven lines that he likes and hopefully you win a little bit of money this week you know we try and do something for you every week here who doesn't like money so we've been throwing in a little more gambling on Fridays you know look this just in people bet on the NFL we're trying to give you a little something every day here on the network so we'll do a little more gambling uh, going forward I think we'll do a, a couple different hits with Matt as we move along through the NFL calendar okay Let's start on offense. If history has shown us anything with Bill Belichick, it is that you cannot beat him by doing things you've done in the past. He's too good at preparing. He's too good at game planning. He's not going to let you beat him with what you're good at. You have to beat him with what you're not good at. And one of the ways to do that is to do something you've never done before. We saw it in the Super Bowl with the Eagles. The Philly special, they had never run that play. Bill Belichick had no idea it was coming. It was one of the biggest plays in the game. So for the 49ers, what does that mean? To me, what it means is they're not going to be able to run Debo Samuel on those sweeps and those screens all day long. They're not going to be able to basically attack behind the line of scrimmage and get the block set up and move the ball down the field that way. Belichick's going to have his defense coached. They're going to be ready for that. And they are going to shut those plays down. If I had to guess how, I would say probably tight man coverage. They're going to jam the receivers at the line of scrimmage. And they're not going to be worried about Jimmy Garoppolo throwing it deep. Because he hasn't done that and he's not really that good at it. So yes, there's a risk in doing that. But I think Belichick's going to take that risk. Because he knows that the 49ers will kill him if he lets that stuff happen. So he has to shut that down. You know, you, you, you have to be vulnerable somewhere. Now, the key is to be vulnerable where the opponent is weakest, and I think that's what Belichick is going to do. Jam the wideouts, take your your chances with Jimmy Garoppolo and throwing deep. And that's why, to me, this is going to be a nice little test for Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. You know, we haven't really seen what Debo can be as a more traditional wide receiver. You know, he does all the cool stuff in the backfield, which is great, and it maximizes his strength. But in terms of just like a straight-up kind of regular, can you beat the coverage, can you find the soft spots in the zone kind of a thing, we don't really know what Debo is. And this is going to be an opportunity to sort of find out a, a little. You know, the Patriots are very good in man coverage. Their corners are excellent. So it's not going to be easy. So I think it's going to be a nice little test. Can you separate? Can you get open down the field? Because there will be opportunities there. I'm interested to see if maybe IU can use a little of that speed we keep hearing about to maybe, you know, get a couple steps on a defender and make some chunk plays. It's going to be interesting to watch. I'm very excited to see. And then, of course, obviously the other part of that is, can Jimmy Garoppolo make the Patriots pay for having to use such tight coverage at the line of scrimmage? Can he hit some guys open deep? 
you know, Levin brought it up yesterday. Garoppolo has the arm strength. You know, a lot of his problems with these throws are that he's overthrowing guys. So clearly arm strength isn't the issue. The accuracy is on those deep balls. And let's see it, you know. This would go a long way for Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of his future with the team if he's able to hit some deep passes and able to take advantage of that. Because this is very much a show-me year for Garoppolo. I personally think he's going to be gone after this season. But if he balls out, maybe not. Maybe he can change some minds. You know, he certainly makes it a lot harder of a decision for the 49ers because it's not just a question of do you get rid of Jimmy or do you keep him. It's a question of who you bring in to replace him. And if he balls out, suddenly finding an improvement to replace him becomes a lot more difficult. So let's see it from you, Jimmy. Let's see you step up in the pocket, take some deep shots, and punish a defense for bringing so many guys up in the box. Do I think he's going to be able to do it? No. To me, if if he had that kind of ability, he would have shown it by now. So I don't think he's going to be able to do it, but that's going to be the test this week for sure on offense for the 49ers. I'm also really interested to see Jermichael Hasty. I hope he gets significant run. I don't want to see a ton of Jeff Wilson. Look, I know what Jeff Wilson is, and he's fine. He's a serviceable back in a rotation of running backs. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I like what I've seen from Jermichael Hasty a little bit. I like some of the jump cuts, some of the elusiveness, some of the shake that he's got. I think that he is a running back that could make something out of nothing, for lack of a better term. I think that the 49ers run blocking has been iffy this year, and I think they need a guy that can make a couple guys miss and gain five, six, seven yards. That's what we've seen with Raheem Mostert. That's why he's been so valuable this year is because he's able to make something out of runs that aren't really blocked for more than a two or three or four yard gain. If the 49ers are going to have any success moving the ball, they're going to need that. And I think that's something that Hasty gives them. So I'll be interested to see how much run he gets. It was nice to see him get a little play last week in the fourth quarter. He's going to have fresher legs than any of the guys that are out there. Let's see a little something from Jermichael Hasty. That would take a ton of pressure off Garoppolo in the offense, especially if he can break some long runs, some chunk yardage. Let's see what the guy can do a little bit. Now, on defense for the 49ers, I think it's very, very simple. It comes down to one thing, Cam Newton. He is the only weapon the Patriots have, and more specifically, I think Cam Newton's legs are really the only weapon that New England has at their disposal. Their receivers have not been able to separate this season. They don't have a ton of speed on the field, just in general on offense, which that is a huge weakness against the 49ers defense, which has a lot of team speed. So I don't know how they're going to overcome that, I guess with power, but Good luck trying to move those 49ers defensive linemen because they are a load. So if you don't have speed on offense, Cam's the only guy that really threatens me as a defensive coordinator. If I'm Robert Sala, it's the only guy I'm worried about. Julian Edelman is okay. He's not what he was, but he's not going to gash me deep down the field for huge plays. That's just not who he is. The 49ers have shown that they struggle against mobile quarterbacks. Now, it's a little different for Cam because he's not like the fastest guy like Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray or someone like that, but he's so damn powerful. I mean, the guy is a freaking monster up close, and you're not going to be able to tackle him with arm tackles. So you're not going to get beat with him in terms of speed, but he just may break three tackles and run down the field for 10, 12, maybe 20 yards. Can they stop that, and how do they stop that? If I were the 49ers, what I would do is... Man up on the wide receivers. Verrett and Mosley, man up on the wideouts and spy Fred Warner. 
Fred can chase down Cam wherever he goes. The advantage there is Fred Warner in terms of speed. Now, can he make the tackle one-on-one? You know, that's easier said than done. But Cam is not going to run away from Fred Warner by any stretch. That's what I would do if I was Robert Sala. In fact, I may just put Mosley on Edelman wherever he goes, even if he's in the slot. Take your chances with the other corners and the other wide receivers. You know, uh, let's see them do it. The whole thing with Belichick is he makes you play left-handed, so to speak. Well, let's make the Patriots play left-handed. If if Nikhil Harry is going to beat me on the outside, okay, you know, you live with that. And maybe if he starts doing it consistently, then you switch some things up. But I'd make him prove it first before I uh, took Mosley off of Edelman. The other thing with Cam is, you know, part of what made playing the Patriots so difficult in the past was that Tom Brady mentally was just... I always think of Rocky IV. It's like fighting a piece of iron. That's Brady mentally. Like, no matter what happens in the game, you're not going to defeat him. He's never going to throw in the towel. Whether it's 28-3 to against the Falcons or a zillion other games, Brady just keeps pounding and keeps coming at you. Cam is not that guy. He is not that mentally tough. I've seen Cam pack it in. Look, in the Super Bowl, he fumbled the ball and didn't dive on it right away. Didn't go all out to recover it. In the Super Bowl, he folds up shop when times get tough. You see it on the sideline where he's got the towel over his head. If you're the 49ers, I think you try to get to that camp. You try and break him early on. If you could get up a couple scores, especially if you turn him over early and frustrate him early, I think that Cam could go in the tank. He just hasn't shown that mental toughness that's made the Patriots so hard to beat over the years. And if you can do that, then you really have the advantage. Because if Cam is not in at 100%, the Patriots just don't have the horses at the other spots to really threaten the 49ers defense. Which again, has played pretty well this season for most of the year, save for Brian Allen. One last thing to be on the lookout for on defense is trick plays. Because the Patriots don't have as much success moving the ball down the field in a traditional way, they have to use trick plays a lot of the time. Whether it's Edelman passing the ball, we saw a uh, pass behind the line of scrimmage to Edelman, then he threw back completely across the field to set up a screen for the Patriots last week. Like They do some crazy things in terms of trick plays that can really gash you. And when a game is going to be as close as I think this one's going to be, sometimes those plays make the difference. So the 49ers have to be disciplined they have to be ready for the unexpected basically and I hope Robert Sala has some sort of game plan for that because I guarantee you we're going to see at least one trick play from the Patriots this week so that's it for the 49ers make the Patriots play with some big plays down the field on the outside which is what New England's going to force Jimmy Garoppolo to do I don't expect a huge game from Kittle The Patriots have shut down tight ends this season. They've only allowed one tight end to even gain 50 yards against them, and that was Travis Kelsey, one of the best in the entire league. They know how to shut down tight ends. They absolutely shut down Darren Waller earlier in the year. I think he had two catches for nine yards in the game against the Raiders. I don't think Kittle's contribution is going to be as a receiver. Now, they can't really stop him from contributing as a blocker, which is something I think he's going to do a lot this week. We saw a couple plays last week where Kittle would go in motion across the formation and then basically become a blocker and just have a running start at somebody. I think you'll see that a couple of times this week. That, to me, is going to be the best way for him to contribute. And look, we've seen he can still have a huge contribution to the to the 
success of the offense just as a blocker. So, you know, it's not like he's going to be totally eliminated from things. But in terms of being a receiver, there's no way Belichick is going to let Kittle beat him. I just, I don't see that happening. So make the Patriots pay with deep shots down the field. Defensively, put Mosley on Edelman wherever he goes and man up in your coverage. And spy Cam Newton with Fred Warner at the middle linebacker spot. Those would be my goals if you're the 49ers. And again, watch out for the sneaky trick play. Now, looking bigger picture for the 49ers, obviously a win here would be great. They'd be 4-3. and three. They'll be watching with rapt attention on now Sunday night as Seahawks-Cardinals gets moved to prime time because of the COVID concerns with Buccaneers and Raiders. This could be a nice week for the 49ers. You know, if you win this game, you're 4-3, and three, and Arizona beats Seattle on Sunday night, Arizona would be 5-2, and two, Seattle would be 5-1, and one, and the 49ers would be 4-3. and three. And all of a sudden, the NFC West is a lot tighter and a lot closer. And obviously, the 49ers would be in better position for a wildcard spot in the NFC. But if things break right this weekend, the picture in the division could look a lot healthier for the 49ers. So go out, handle your business in New England, and then hopefully you get to watch the Sunday night game and watch... Kyler Murray due to the Seahawks, basically what he did to you earlier in the year. Anyway, that's what I'll be watching for on Sunday. All right, now I want to get to Matt McEwen of Sports Betting Dime. We talked about, obviously, the 49ers game, some of the other Week 17 lines, and some just kind of general betting philosophies to help you win money. We all like money. Hopefully, with this advice, you can win a little more of it. Thanks for listening. Go Niners. After the break, Matt McEwen. We're very pleased and privileged to be able to bring you Matt McEwen, the editor-in-chief of Sports Betting Dime. We're going to do a couple episodes with him going forward. Matt, thank you very much for the time. Oh, appreciate you having me on, Rob. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. So we'll start with the Niners, and then we'll get into bigger picture stuff. The Niners are playing the Patriots this week. They're going to Foxborough. Jimmy Garoppolo used to play in New England. That's been the dominant storyline of the week. When it comes to just the line in general, how much do books factor that in that sort of outside influence stuff or do they just say that's for the fans to worry about we're just looking at the hard data so there, there's always a little bit of that because you know what the what, what the book's intent is is to get even money on both sides of, of this game right and this is where we're talking about betting the spread here right so the toughest part for the book is opening up the line and why i say that is because they have to do their very best to gauge the public perception. That's that's really what setting a line is. How is how's the public going to view these two teams? Uh, how's the public going to view this matchup? Is, is the public considering the the Jimmy Garoppolo revenge? Is uh, you know what 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 goes into it for for the fan for for the better? Right. That's that's what they need to consider. And after that, the hard data really kicks in. That's and and when I say hard data, it's more of money. Money starts to kick in. Because once they open the line, it'll move uh, leading up to kickoff. And why does it move? It, it moves because where the money's going. So, you know, if plenty of people are betting, uh, if plenty of people like that storyline, they like Jimmy Garoppolo coming back, getting a win against uh, the team who drafted him. And they're betting the Niners. You come in, there's, you know, 80% of the money or so on San Francisco. Well, the sportsbook doesn't like to make any bets. They, they don't want to be betting on the Patriots to win. They all they want to do draw that right down the middle and take their juice, right? So what they need to do at that point is start making New England a lot more enticing. How do they do that? Well, they start moving the line, right? So 
that's kind of what goes into it. That's the the 101 of uh, opening a, a line and, and odds movement. So I think this game opened at Niners getting one and a half. Now I see Niners getting two. How much does that movement, what does that tell you? So I actually saw, I mean, depending where you looked, I saw this open at two and a half at some places. Oh, wow. It, it came back down to one and a half. Uh, I mean, yesterday when I was looking at this um, before last night's kickoff, it was down to one and a half. And yeah, now we're seeing again back to two, two and a half. So, you know, what, what's this telling you? It's telling you the public's kind of split on it. You know, there, there was that, uh, there was that push for, for the Niners getting two. But once that, once it became nearly a pick in New England, uh, New England coming off a loss, which, you know, we know how, how good Belichick is um, off a loss. And, uh, yeah, it, it's it's completely swung the other way. So, you know, the book did exactly what they wanted to do, right? They, they moved the line, and here it came. The, the floodgates opened. All the money came in on New England at, at minus one, minus one and a half. So now we're back to, to where we started. If you had to pick this game, where would you go? So, and I'm not I'm not just saying this because I'm, I'm on a Niners podcast right oh, now, but, but I, I like San Francisco in this game. Um, you know, this, this just doesn't have the same – New England feel about it. This this 2020 Patriots team, um, you know, and not at all shot on on Cam Newton. The the kind of main thing that's that's changed, but you know, they're without a ton of defensive players who opted out. And I I've been a Niners better all season. Um, you know, admittedly, I, I went against them uh, week one against Arizona. There, that was that was a bit of a, a trap game. I I felt. Um, but since then, I, I have been back in the Niners. Um, you know, after they lost to the Eagles, there uh, I, I bet them at plus money to make the playoffs because I, I looked at that game and I said, "Hey, this is a really bad game by Nick Mullins. That that's all this was, right?" And then Jimmy Garoppolo came out the next week and showed us what a really bad game looks like. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so now, you know, I'm I'm sitting on uh, Niners at at plus one ten, plus one fifteen to make the playoffs. I hammered them to to beat Miami that next week at uh, minus eight and a half to cover that spread. I figured that was a that was a lock. Um, but you know, coming in um, this, this week again here, I, I do I, I like the Niners. I think they they still have um, enough offensively. You know, the line's still in place. They're still playing pretty well. They can still run the ball. It doesn't matter who's back there. You know, it's it's the Shanahan way, right? The, uh, the line just gets it done. They open up the holes, and, and whoever's carrying the ball uh, does well doing so. What they need, yes, yeah, is, is that play from, from Garoppolo, and he seems healthy. Um, he, he's got his, you know, his stars back, uh, his pass catchers back there. And, and you know what? I, I like Shanahan. He's, he's a good enough coach. I think if Garoppolo is still struggling a bit, he's just going to get the ball out of his hands, um, you know, get – Get it in Ayuk and, and Debo's hands quickly. Kittle, um, just just get the ball out, put it in their hands, put the game in their hands. So, I, I do. I like San Francisco on the road. I think they're they're getting a little bit desperate. Um, not to say New England isn't, but I, I like uh, I like Shanahan and, and the Niners in this one. I'm putting you on the spot because I actually didn't see. Do you know the over under for this game? Anywhere from forty three and a half to forty four. It's looking like right now. Um, it, it opened up at forty four and a half at most books. Um, yeah, so it's, it's come down a point, uh, you know, uh, expecting some defense here, obviously. And yeah, you know, Patriots tend to play a little bit slow too, um, offensively, right. Just 
kind of pound the ball with Cam Newton. Um, and, and yeah, you know, the, the Niners defense has, has still been pretty good despite all the injuries. Um, so yeah, 40, 43 and a half, a little bit of a low total, but I, I don't know that I'm touching that one. It's yeah, that's really close. I think if I just had to pick, I think the game is more likely to be low scoring, slow affair than a really high scoring shootout. Cause I just, the 49ers defense is good. I don't see Belichick trying to play that way. And the 49ers really have not been, you know, this high flying shootout team all year long. I think yeah. I would take the under on that if I absolutely had to. How important is that though, obviously as a better, just knowing which, which bets and games to play and which ones to leave alone. Oh, I, that that's, that's what betting is, right? Um, it, it's you making that decision. Um, and, you know, over at SBD, we, we help make that decision for you. Um, you know, I've, I've created a, a formula that uh, predicts the score for games. Uh, it, it's been great. Uh, this this uh, past week, we, we nailed uh, two of three upsets that it was calling for. Um, it, yeah, it, it's been really great. So we, you know, that we, we have plenty of data, uh, plenty of trends. Um, we, we give you everything you need to help you make that decision of, you know, which are these lines that, that uh, are right for the picking um and you know which which ones are a little too close right um you know if you're sitting here saying oh i I really like the uh the niners to win 24 20 well you know you're talking about 44 points that that's not really a great bet on on the 43 and a half over right you're you're giving yourself a, a half point uh margin there so you know if if um if you're sitting here saying, Hey, I, I think the Niners are going to break loose. I, I think, uh, Jamichael Hasty is, is uh, about to pop off. He is, <laughs> you know, that's then, then, Hey, by, by all means, you know, the, this is, it's a low total. This is on the lower end. Um, but yeah, you know, how, how do you decide that? Um, that's, uh, there's not really necessarily a formula to that. That's, that, that's sports betting. That that's uh, what you got to crack. Right. So you talk about the low total. The story of the year this year so far has been the scoring. The scoring is up. The overs are hitting every week. Has that, has the, have the lines adjusted in your mind? Like, are we now like, hey, don't, you can't just bet the over every week. The, the adjustment has been made, or are we still in sort of uncharted territory? You know what? I, I don't think we're fully there yet, but the books are moving. The, the books are, are certainly reacting to these high scores. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't think I've seen this many 50-plus um, point totals um, in, in NFL games in, 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 my, in my memory, really. You know, we're, we're looking at multiple games per week that are, that are mid-50s, high-50s, uh, where, where the total is. So they, they are adjusting, but, you know, as, as you see, we're, we're still not there yet. The overs are still hitting. Uh, we're, we're still getting these, these shootouts. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that we will really see um the, the sports books uh, fully adjust like I, I i don't you don't see many 60 plus point totals in in the nfl <laughs> and, and and there's a reason for it right it, it's it's hard to score that many points but they are doing it this year and i, I don't think after a handful of weeks that the sports books are going to start exposing themselves like that because if they open up a 60 plus point total you're going to get a lot of money coming in on the under um you know just just off of precedent You'll, you'll get people betting the unders there. So uh, again, it, it's, it's public perception and it's, it's where they think people will, you know, split the room. Right. Um, but no, I, I have not seen totals this high in my memory, but they, they still aren't there just yet. So you mentioned precedent and history and data and all that obviously goes into it. 
But we're also in a year because of COVID-19. We've never seen anything like this. How, you know, when I think about if I'm going to make a bet, I try and think like, okay, where is the line wrong? Essentially, where do I think I can, you know, make my money? Well, in this year, I feel like, is there a bigger opportunity for essentially lines to be wrong because we've never had a season like this? I totally agree with you. The, you know, the, the sports books have, this is, this has been the most difficult year for them. Um, you know, when, when you factor everything in, you, you factor in the fact that there are, you know, there, there aren't fans at, at most stadiums and, and the ones where there are fans, you know, they're the very limited number of them. What, what effect is that going to have? Right. Because you, you know, coming into the year, you have the argument that, Hey, um, with, with no fans in the stands, will it completely take away a home field advantage? You know, will, Will it be tougher for momentum to be built? Will it be easier to to break that momentum? Right? Uh, you have you have another argument where our our offenses on the road going to be that much better, right? Because they're not dealing with with fan noise. Communication should be easy. Is, is that how much effect is is that going to have? Right? So th- this has been the the most difficult year for sports books setting lines. And yeah, you know if if you're somebody who who is consistently watching, you know, every game, every week, I, I feel this has been a, a very good year to expose some lines. Um, you know, you have some teams that, uh, <laughs> I don't know that I'll name some names just yet, but some teams that have really overachieved so far, some teams who, um, you know, might be five and one, who I don't know that they, they should be five and one. And um, they're bears. You know, been, <laughs> I didn't want to say it. You can say it. We know. I, I'm, I'm not on a Bears podcast, so we, we can trash them. <laughs> yeah, there, there have been a lot of teams who have come out, um, uh, come out hot, had some easy matchups. Uh, schedules are, are you know getting tougher. Schedules are getting easier for some teams, right? So uh, th- this has been a great year to expose lines because the books themselves are are kind of strapped for for answers on yeah, what effect is this going to have? What effect is this going to have? Right. Like, for example, let's just look at Seahawks Cardinals. They're the Sunday night game this week. Does that affect the line in any way? The fact that all of a sudden, hey, we're playing on Sunday night football, or is that not a big a deal as we think? Well, it, it hasn't yet. It hasn't affected that line yet. Um, it's it's still three and a half at most places. Um, I, I've seen a couple books come down to three, but I, I that you know the, the time of the game. Um, with it still being the same day, with it still being, um, you know, same place that, that hasn't really affected the line yet. Right now, Raiders and Bucks is still going to be played on Sunday. That's the, the plan right now. It could be moved, but we don't know. But like the entire Raiders offensive line is in quarantine right now until, yeah. until Saturday. Like I, I, that game is off the board right now, but like, yeah. I, I mean, how do you even factor that in from a betting perspective? That's never happened before where a team's entire offensive line is suddenly away from the team. No, uh, again. Yeah. Another, another first, right. Uh, we're, we're, we're crossing a lot of those off this year in the NFL and you know, how, how much does it factor the line? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this, there's no way that game's opening up Tampa Bay minus three. If <laughs> the entire Raiders offensive line cannot play. So, right. uh, and, and, you know, at that point you, you do, you wonder the NFL will probably have to, to reschedule that if, if that is the case, but um, yeah, you know, to just another, another wrench in, in uh, everybody's plans here. Right. That is, I've never seen anything like that. I, stop the whole offensive line. Sorry, you're gone. I mean, 
they only have they're going to be running out of guys pretty soon. They've got five offensive linemen, I think, on the practice squad. And then you can't bring guys in like you used to, because if you bring a guy off the street, they got to pass, you know, multiple days of COVID tests. It is a ridiculous situation. Um, So hopefully that game, they figure that out. I'd say just postpone it. I think the NFL is going to have to go to an extra week at the end of the season because they're just, there's too much craziness that's going to happen. You know, there's no reason they can't delay the Super Bowl, push things back. Hopefully that is uh, what happens. Let's get into a couple of the other lines of the week. I see Jets and Bills, and I see the Jets getting 13 points in that one. Um, when it comes to big numbers like that, is there a general philosophy you have, or is is it just game to game you look at it? Um, so, yeah, Bills Bills land 13 here. I, I, th- this one opened at Bills minus 10, and I, I jumped on it at about Bills minus 11 uh early because i i had the same feel that this was gonna continue moving the jets are that bad um you know where what, what's my feel here generally sports books will not move lines much past 17 ish 17 is kind of that magic number of like one, once you're here everyone's gonna start betting the underdog because that's that's a lot of points when you start talking about a uh three point score uh line that's that's big, and you know we, we've we've seen in the past. Um, this this tends to be a bit of a, a trap game. This tends to be a, a game that the Bills you know may overlook. Now coming off two straight losses, I don't see it that way. I see this being Buffalo uh, being awfully desperate, being um, a little bit pissed off. Uh, what for you know what's happened the last two weeks. Um, just being completely outplayed, you know. I, I thought the the score in the Chiefs game was a little more kind than than the actual game was to them. Um, so yeah, you know, my my feel here is as long as this line stays under fourteen, I, I would bet it. I could never ever ever say I'm going to bet my money that on Adam Gase that he's going to come up with a game plan. I've told someone that I host an NFL show with earlier this week, the gamblers have lost a lot of money betting on streaks to end. And Adam Gase is on a streak where his offense is historically inept. I mean, they are, they're putrid in every way. Do streaks like that, does that influence you? Or is that like the fallacy of the hot hand where the odds really don't change despite what's happened in the past? You know what? It's a little bit of both. There, there is a fallacy there in thinking, "Hey, you know they're due, right?" You know, it, it, it's that that guy sitting at the uh, the roulette table saying, "Okay, you know, five straight reds, black's got to come up now, right?" There, there is a fallacy in that. Now, there is a little bit of of truth in that as well, though, right? You know, our and and when I say that, it's not necessarily that that I just want to say, "Hey, the Jets have been blown out and." in uh, six straight weeks. So, you know, I think they'll come back strong. It's, it's more of looking at, you know, during this streak, during this trend, how have they looked? And that's why I'm not ready to say this, this jet streak is going to end because we haven't really seen anything improve. We, we haven't seen the offense, you know, kind of getting it together outside of, you know, Jameson Crowder uh, getting double digit targets a game. I, I don't, I have no idea, you know, and, and Frank Gore getting, you know, 10-ish carries and, and not doing much with them. 
there, there's nothing else that, that we can really predict about this Jets offense, how bad they're going to be, how good they're going to be. And again, doesn't help that you have Joe Flacco uh, under center there. Um, so, you know, in, in terms of, of trends, data like that, there, there's certainly something to be said about um, the, the value. You know, there's uh, there's certain head-to-head trends, data like that, that, that is very useful. There, there's other stuff in, in saying, you know, like that, hey, Jets have lost six in a row, they're due. I, I don't fall into that. Um, so I, and like I said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm fading them this week. I I'm betting the bills. <laughs> the jets also haven't won a super bowl since the sixties. So yeah. they've been due for about a couple decades here, but Absolutely. you just watch it. Young man, watch the Frank <laughs> or slander on this podcast. Don't think I missed that. <laughs> You no, be I, 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 lo- I love me some Frank Gore. I, I put that blame on Gase and the Jets. I, I you know, Frank, Frank shouldn't be there. I'll, I'll say that Frank should not be in New York. Uh, he should be somewhere much nicer. I'd love to see him back in San Francisco right now with uh, the running back trouble. They've, you know, r- injury trouble they've, they've run into here. I'd love to see Frank Gore go back there. I, I hate that he's in, in New York kind of wasting away uh, one of his, his last years here probably. And last question for me, uh, what's your favorite game this week? Favorite game in terms of uh, watching or, or betting? No, I don't care about what you're watching. I want <laughs> you to win me some money. Because <laughs> the watching one's easy, just for the record. I, I, I'm really excited for the, the Titans-Steelers game. Um, I, I think that's going to be a really good game. Now, in, in terms of betting, um, I, I so the Bills were, were one of my, my bets that I jumped on early. I really like that one. Um, another one that I really like, Green Bay. Um, th- this line has moved up to uh, Green Bay minus three and a half now. I, I it, it opened at three, and I, I pounced on it right then. Um, you know, similar kind of feel. I, I thought Green Bay really just laid an egg week six against Tampa Bay. I, I don't think that was any sort of you know uh, opening up the curtain on on who Green Bay really is. I thought it was a you know, a couple turnovers there by the offense early in the game. They fell behind, and and I mean, Tampa Bay's got a really good pass rush. They got after uh, they got after Aaron Rodgers, and and at that point, you know, Green Bay's run defense isn't Green Bay's defense isn't built to stop the run. They're they're built to rush the passer, right? So, I I, I don't think Houston can put them in that same position. And even if Houston does get up, I don't love them to be able to. Uh, you know, pull out a, a Ronald Jones and just pound the rock and then keep Aaron Rodgers off the field like Tampa Bay did. So even at three and a half here, I do still like Green Bay. That's that's one that I'm I'm really fond of. Um, sorry if you're gonna hear my my dog scratching his collar in here. He's <laughs> I was wondering he, what that was. He, he's itching for a Green Bay cover as well here. He's he's got them as well. <laughs> it sounded um, like like you were doing a lottery with all the balls like spinning in that big thing. I was like, what the hell is that? I'm pulling out my favorite bet out of the, out of the uh, <laughs> no, sorry about that. Um, one more for you. I'll give you, I call me crazy, but uh, I, I like Atlanta. Um, I, I got crazy. them. <laughs> I, I got the Falcons minus two. I think the, you know, there, there's always that, that one week kind of rush that a team gets from, from a new head coach. Right. You, you kind of saw it in, you did, you saw it out of Atlanta. You saw it out of Houston um you know consistently that you know the the team gets a little bit of a spark from it I I don't think it ends at one week for Atlanta I think this is a very talented offense um you know I I don't really know yet what to say about their defense I'm not ready to say they're uh, an extremely talented group I think they have some really nice pieces there but um ultimately this boils down to I, I think Detroit um 
I, I just don't think they are what some people think they are. Um, you know, they're, they're not this eight and eight team in, in my mind. I think they're still a five and 11, six and 10 team. Um, you know, I, I know people are, are on the DeAndre Swift uh, train after that breakout week and and uh, week six, but I, I I don't believe in Detroit. I think they will find a way to lose this game as they so often do. Um, I'll feel good just as long as the Falcons uh, don't go into the fourth quarter with a twenty point lead or anything. <laughs> right. So that is like the ultimate matchup, right? Because the yeah. Lions like to blow leads, the Falcons like to blow leads. I mean. Somebody's got to win this one, but they're not going to do it on purpose. <laughs> uh, hey, it, it might be a good strategy just to bet the team losing in the fourth quarter uh, on the live line there. You mentioned uh, the Packers earlier and the Buccaneers also. How much of a overreaction does the public tend to have on things like that when, say, the Packers get their doors blown off or when all of a sudden Tampa Bay looks awesome? Yeah, you know what? I actually expected there to be a bigger reaction to, to this past one. Um, you know, Green Bay Super Bowl odds didn't really move much. Um, you know, over at SBD, we, we have some really great, uh, we call them futures trackers, right? So, you know, everywhere else you can go and find the, the current futures odds, Super Bowl odds, MVP odds, you know, anything like that. At SBD, we, we track the odds. So we not only give you the current ones, but we'll show you the ride as well. We'll show you what those, uh, those data points were each day, um, you know, after each week. So it, it's easy for us to kind of go back, look at that data and see those overreactions, right? And we show you those, those overreactions, underreactions. And yeah, Green Bay Super Bowl odds didn't really plummet that much. And Tampa Bay's odds didn't really improve that much. You know, Tampa Bay came into that week around 17 to 1. Um, and, you know, for, for any of the, the listeners who aren't overly familiar with, with that, you know, you bet $1, you win 17 in, in that example, right? So they, they came out of the week 13 to 1. So a little bit of movement there. But Green Bay went from about, like, they, they've, only, they've only dropped like 12 to 1 at this point, at, at the, the longest. I, I expected Tampa Bay to potentially overtake them. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, not, not that I... I like that um i i I think that would have been an overreaction but i'm surprised we didn't see it because a lot of the time you do a lot of time you do see you know um some some blowout like this result in uh major movement now you know the movement tends to only last for 24 hours or so because that's when you know the public pounces on it right they they come in they say this is an overreaction start putting their money on that team who got a little too long. Um, and, and, you know, then all of a sudden we're swinging again. Right. So um, yeah, no, we, we didn't see much of an overreaction this week. I figured we'd see more. Matt McEwen from sports betting dine, the editor in chief. Thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. My pleasure, Rob. And Hey, I'll even drop a go 49ers. Cause uh, I'm, I'm taking the two points this week. <laughs> yeah. That's what you say on all the podcasts. Wait till you're <laughs> on the Patriots podcast, Pat the pulpit. You'll be pumping up the Patriots. That's coming up in 15 minutes. I got to switch uh, over my, uh, my tune for that one. Thanks again. Thanks for having me, Rob. All right. So he actually gave us more than one game when I asked for his favorite, but if you're keeping track, it's Buffalo minus 13 over the jets, green Bay minus three and a half over the Texans and Atlanta minus two over the Lions. That's it for me. Enjoy the game, everybody. We will be back on Sunday with the Instant Reaction Podcast. We try and get it out to you, hopefully within two hours after the game ends. So we'll have our Instant Reaction. Hopefully it's a recap and a win, and hopefully the 49ers are 4-3. and three.